Well, hello there, Dr. James K. Harris. Oh, uh, 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 it's fine, I'm fine, it's fine, I'm fine. Hi, Dr. Nick Flores. I, you know, am really reveling in not having to teach. I apologize, there's like a whole train in the background. Good, that's absolutely what you deserve. It, that's that's how the universe feels about what you're about to say. But go ahead and tell us how you're not <laughs> teaching. Oh, not teaching, and it is absolutely lovely. And I will say that I actually had the opportunity to head away this past weekend and go camping in Southern Illinois. And it was just absolutely wonderful to disconnect. I had no cell phone service. That was lovely. I Okay, so we uh, tell the people what they're listening to, because I got to double back to this camping thing. <laughs> well, so... You, dear listener, are listening to Learning on the Job, wherein James and myself, Nick, two queer PhDs of color, discuss and reflect on how we navigate the world of higher education today, uh, here in the United States in particular. You know, we present our unique perspectives on the shifting landscape of college in the United States and share our behind-the-scenes thoughts on everything from... What the hell is tenure and promotion really to, you know, trying not to get fired because of said tenure and promotion? Call it a learning experience. Uh, so much to learn and I have learned so much. You know, we took a bit of an unexpected and impromptu break uh, and it wasn't and it was and it was much needed on my end. Just like because I find myself at the point where the where I have to do the last bit of hurdles. No, where I'm moving into the phase of my career where I have, like, actual responsibilities and mountains of them. And that's cool, and I love that for me. But it also just, like, it, it's it's new to my personality. And I am too old to be complaining about this, but I am really, like, I, I it was... The last two weeks have been a real struggle for me. I was on an email thread that I will tell you about sometime off-air, but it was, honestly... <laughs> I've never felt more like, am I, is this real life? Like, is this, this can't be happening. This is, at some point, the president of the college was involved in the email thread and and didn't Ooh. need to be. And it, it, uh, it was, it got to a place where I was just like, is this still real life? And so I've just been in a real, in just like a, a spiral of madness Gosh. and also, but, but, there's this moment where, like, you know, you realize that you're doing the thing, and as crazy as it is, this is it, and you're doing it, and you're doing it, and this is it. And it's, it's, you are. it's, it's both maddening and also, I don't know, it's like a little bit exciting. It's like, here I am doing, I'm doing, I'm still alive, I'm surviving whatever mm -hmm. this is and looks like. Um, and, and, and I want to celebrate that in me, good. but I don't, but I will not allow us to be derailed because you went camping? Mm. Girl, did I. I am getting really efficient in camping, and it's wonderful. Um, I am also want to say that you are seen, and I feel you regarding the last few weeks. You've got this. You are more than capable. You have everything that you need. And I completely understand the feeling, like, in the moment of being overwhelmed, anxious, stressed because of all of the moving parts, especially given what you've just shared, the reply all emails with people who don't need to be a part of the, the thread are a part of it. And it just feels so messy and kind of chaotic. You've got this, baby girl. All you got to do, you know, all you can do is what you can do and what you have control over. And you got it. Um, that said, I feel like I'm coming from a very or fairly zen-ner place, uh, having been out in nature for a little bit. It was lovely. Um, yeah, Shawnee National Forest. It was my first time in a national forest, like camping in a national forest. It was really lovely. Uh, it was a ginormous forest. I had no idea that it was as big as it was because I've been camping in like smaller state 
or like county forests, which are pretty self-contained. And this particular national forest was basically the last, like the, the lower, the southern fourth of Illinois. Um, but they have some really amazing sites. And I've got to check out a few of them. I'm actually planning to go back sometime before it gets too cold to go back out there. Oh, you mean and like soon? Yeah. Within like, yeah, five or six weeks probably. Um, I love because, that. Yeah. Next time I check in with you, you're gonna be like uh, buying the kind, like a, a gay who buys hiking equipment, like boots have and jackets. I, and I'm like... I'm actually the gay that has hiking equipment. It has been a slow and steady process over the past year. Um, You'll know you're in also, it, in it this when is, you get a yeti. Y- y- you know, yetis are overrated. Okay. I mean, are you talking about the cooler? Are you talking the about the cool- Are you talking about the the Oh, the backpack. Okay. Um, no, we're still rather, I, I still probably glampy more than I am. Like, I'm not a backpack. Like, oh, I have no. everything, the but Yeti I need my bag. The backpack is for glamp. It's glamping for people who are serious about their glamping. I will have to send you pictures. Um, <laughs> but all of this, you know, a tie-in back to learning on the job. I actually am heeding the advice of so many mentors, colleagues, and senior faculty who have all said, find something or do something that is not work-related and protect that and make sure that you have a life outside of the academy. And I, you know, am in a bit, in a position where I'm able to do that at the moment, and I'm taking full advantage of that. So, That's beautiful. I also recommend that. That's beautiful, and I love that. Yeah. Ugh. I like nature. I so I'm, I'm ambivalent. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I feel like getting the skills to potentially survive out in the wild one day may actually come in handy sooner than I, I realize. Uh, look, I understand so, that we are careening toward a zompocalypse. I just really want to stress: I don't think I want to survive the zompocalypse. I don't know if it's my goal to make it. And when the end comes, sure. the end is here. I'm out, man. I barely liked this version of society. <laughs> I mean, all facts. And yeah, I mean, I want to know how to make a fire. That's just fair. Personally. That's fair. But not so. so I can eat rat meat because there's no more grocery stores. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. no. We're not doing that. But oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so moving on to our very first and official segment, Failing Better. James, will you give our dear listeners a little insight into what that entails? Oh my god, it's Beckett, right? And it's not. It's, it's from Worst Word Ho, wherein he reminds us ever tried, ever failed, no matter. Uh, try again, fail again, fail better. Uh, and it's a segment at some level about stubbornness, but also like the persistence of the human spirit and our capacity to just like keep trying and maybe just maybe do a little better each time. It's life as a roguelike. I will talk later about my Steam Deck, but I have so many thoughts on video games. Um, and so I've been thinking a lot about failing better, and it's usually a segment where we sort of point ourselves outward into the world and celebrate things that are happening out there. But I feel, but I wanted to sort of hone back on that uh, one of the other objectives of this project was just to sort of create space in which we demystify this incredibly peculiar process that is what is academia? How do you give, what does it look like? What are you doing in there all day? Mm-hmm. How do you move around in there? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've been holding out this carrot of like tenure as this thing that exists uh, and that we are both in, in some way on a track toward whatever the fuck that means. Um, right. And so, right. and, and so I thought maybe this week would just be an opportunity to talk a little bit about like to to look back on the chaos and the nightmare that has been the last three weeks and to make sense out of how I might actually not be losing my job. And that's actually really kind of cool and exciting. Um, And so like every school is different and every department is different and every person is different and every project Mm -hmm. is different. Mm -hmm. And at some level, that's why I think people don't give a lot of tenure advice because it's not broadly applicable. What works here and what works for me Mm -hmm. is not a thing that will work there and will work for you and, and wherever. And so like, you know... Take it all with a grain of salt. Right. But if right. you're staring at the thing and you're thinking, what is it? How does it work? One of the parts of the process, at least in our college, is like at some point, 
a little peek behind the curtain. At some point, maybe a couple years ago, we were supposed to, like, around your third or fourth year, you meet with the provost. Just to sort of check in, mm-hmm. touch base. Where are you? How are you doing in your life at the college? Where where are you fitting in? How are you fitting in? Whatever. Um, the pandemic was my third year. And so, like, the scheduling and the doing of oh. things has been kind of dramatically thrown up and up and... Or rather, my third year was in the... It was start of 2020, right? And so, like, technically the pandemic was my the end of my second year um but it was also the full the whole of my third year and then all of the fourth and so this is my fifth year and so i'm finally getting to a place where like i've actually been able to pin down and schedule a meeting with the provost uh and so i'm finally gonna get to do that part where you're like doing the thing you're talking your way through Mm -hmm. sort of like here and i'm feeling genuinely very excited about it like i'm actually really excited like i feel like i'm in a good position at this point i actually think i've maybe been at this college a little we have a new provost uh, which is partly mm-hmm. also has added to the chaos of trying to schedule this meeting um and so like i think i've maybe been here longer than this person and so like i'm feeling like i can i'm feeling more confident it's like an interview that i feel good about and i don't know that i've yeah. had many of those um going in the door i feel fairly confident Mm -hmm. i feel like you know i won't say you need me more than i need you because that's certainly not true you can't fire me that would be very bad uh but i do feel like there's no cause for me to be concerned and and that's a place that i haven't been in a while and so that's nice yeah come on feeling better that yeah love that for you and i also as an insider and someone who's had the opportunity to witness your growth and also how you've navigated the past few years. It's a sheer pleasure to know that you are experiencing this or, you know, are receiving the next going ons in this way, because in, in, in a very kind of direct way, I think I will also be in that position soon. And this is how our friendship has kind of always been. You finish the dissertation first, you graduate first, you get the job first, you do all the things and you kind of just like give me breadcrumbs and I appreciate it. They're like wonderful. And so, you know, a win for you is win for us all as far as I'm concerned. Look, so open source. I'm all about the sharing of knowledge. And I mean, you know, I think maybe the real truth of that legacy is I do it and then you do it better. And I love that for both of us. Um, <laughs> that's not true we'll call it an alley-oop I just do it and it feels I good just... to be not better never better because I love where I am and I'm really genuinely thrilled yeah. to be here um, and, and I think like you know but I, I love the idea that I've created a space to be a sail not an anchor uh, and I just want us all mm. to get to the place where we feel like we're succeeding um, and so whatever yeah. we can do to sort of like walk through, talk through what that process looks like. One of the other things I've been yeah, doing so, over the last mm-hmm. couple months is like truly fighting with the college to get some social annotation software. You maybe teach hypothesis or t- teach with hypothesis. It's newish. Uh, hypothesis is a version of perusal is the other one, uh, that is relatively popular. They're social annotation yeah. softwares and they're really, really great, particularly in like humanities t- style classrooms. We do a yeah. lot of reading and we do a lot of close reading um and and it has been an extraordinary struggle to get this tool brought to our community college uh and so i've found myself in the weird position of like now i'm leading workshops it's always nice to be needed um and it's always weird to be reminded that you are kind of in a position where like if you want to do a thing you kind of just have to commit yourself to making it happen you are in a position to do things um, right, and and right. so there's a responsibility, I think, to think about what those things are and to figure out what we want those things to look like. Right, right. The transition from asking the adult for help to recognizing that help or something needs to be done and then realizing you're that adult who has to do the thing. Uh, <laughs> you know, that yep. you can ask the questions or you can, you know, identify a growth opportunity will say but then you are then in a position to actually do something about it Ooh, that is a realization every year since i've been here at illinois it's like someone should really be working on xyz and oh, then shit, you realize that's, that's why they me. hired you yep but literally yeah, like literally. Oh. <laughs> it's like oh yep no, good, good you said it out loud right uh, so congrats it sounds like a victory at BCC and for you uh so that's wonderful 
I have heard of the one perusal. I think we use that here at Illinois. Yeah. Or I think some folks use it. Um, but the hypothesis, I think I've only heard from you. So I'm glad that, you know, you have something there. I did want to circle back very briefly to the uh, conversation that you're going to have with the provost. Um, today, you know, just a few hours ago, I also received confirmation, not for me, but for a group of junior faculty that we are going to be meeting with our dean to also discuss tenure and promotion and kind of what that looks like um, in our department across the gender and women's studies and ethnic studies units here at Illinois. Um, but I wanted to circle back because I'm curious to know what kind of questions you, you know, are going to bring to the table. And I mean, I'm also in a position now where, you know, I don't, I, I want to get as much from that, that meeting that's coming up in a few weeks as possible. But sometimes it's, it's difficult to figure out kind of what I, what questions to ask because I don't, yeah always know this is such a this thing is, that i'm asking about this is such a great question um and i mean honestly this is such a great question because it's such a political minefield right like there's so many mm -hmm. wrong ways to approach this right the the absolute wrong thing to do is to walk in the door with no questions you have to have questions because mm -hmm. you're here and you're supposed to be engaged but like you have to figure out what is because like for me this shows up in like so we have had over the past uh, I would say as long as I've been here, there's been maybe not the smoothest relationship between administration and faculty. There's been a sense mm -hmm. from faculty that administration doesn't necessarily hear our criticisms. That like administration is operating in a way that feels divorced from the kinds of concerns that faculty have at a day-to-day -day level. So like there's a lot mm -hmm. of sort of high level pushes to do things that don't make a ton of sense for that that aren't the kinds of things that we as faculty have been asking to happen. And so like mm -hmm. a big part of what I'm interested what I would actually like talk about is just like priorities cuz like my sense is like BCC when I was hired into this college I was fascinated by it because I had not at all considered working at a two-year college. And part of why I had not mm -hmm. at all considered working at a two-year college is that by and large two-year colleges have a reputation for, and I think it's a reputation that's well-earned, being like technical schools, right? There are schools where you go to get trained in a specific skill. So there are schools that are really big on like nursing, automotive technician, like the kind of schools where like you go to get a certification that you then use in a job. The Bronx Community College model really is built on something that no longer exists in academia, the sort of junior college model of like there is a school mm -hmm. that you would go to for a few years that's essentially like a finishing school to get you ready for four-year college. And so like the right. humanities end of Bronx Community College is a part of that legacy, right? We exist as a part of like a school that imagines that our students will eventually go on to four-year and maybe they'll be graduate mm -hmm. students, maybe they'll be teachers or whatever, but like this isn't the end of the school track for them. The push, I think, from administration by and large has been the kinds of programs that tend to make more money which is the kinds of programs like nursing and automotive technicians that like can pump out a lot of students really quickly and certify them in a very specific thing but that don't necessarily require that they have any real humanistic training or background right you can make it a pretty mm -hmm. far way through a nursing program without ever taking any of for example the electives that we offer in our department that are sort of like the thing that drew me to teaching here in the first place so when i think yeah. about what i want to talk to the program about I want to talk about this but the reality is like I don't know if that's a fight that I want to be having with the provost so it might actually just be a question about like allocation of resources like how much money is going in which direction for which kinds of in the future what kind of projects do you envision wanting to spend money on where the humanities are concerned mm -hmm. yeah I think that's that's really yeah it sounds good I mean you know uh, my impulse is to just, yeah, want to, to know more, right? Not just from you, but up, yeah, from the provost, right? Like, how are you, you know, what are the, what's in the pipeline to be, yeah, revenue to be funneled or to be used for programs, which Certainly. I would imagine are, are likely severely underfunded, yeah, comparatively speaking, to maybe some more even technical, you know, training right or if that's the kind of if that's how people understand themselves in these spaces but also if that's like also how resources are being allocated currently at you know two-year institutions then certainly there's something to be said and questioned about yeah resources because you know 
it's still important to know how to read and write and to think analytically. I mean, unless like, it that's isn't. Such and I a think skill. that, like, honestly, there is a contingent of people, and I'm not, I'm not putting this opinion on our faculty or our administration at all, but I do think there is a contingent of people in the world who would make an argument and would not be at all facetious that, like, these aren't necessarily skills you need in the future, right? That, like, if you look at the future of language internationally, it's infographic and pictorial. Mm -hmm. So, like, do you really need to be able to, like, read Shakespeare? Like, isn't that just more bougie gatekeeping for, like, you know, liberal elites? And certainly it is. I mean, we are, you know, I think we've talked about this, especially at the beginning of the podcast, right? Like, absolutely gatekeepers and gatekeeping like we willingly or unwillingly or you know are also a part of a gatekeeping mechanism and but i would balance yeah, that against no like and stop me if i've said this before i was talking to someone i can't remember who about this but like i recently saw a tweet that was like i've been thinking a lot about the fact that we've raised a generation of engineers that can solve any technical problem but can't explain why nazism is bad and it feels mm. like this is the moment that, like, this is the argument for the humanities. Like, we're very good at solving technical problems, but the world is not a technical problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not, but it, you know, I might retort or counter-argue that the skills that one develops through hum humanities lenses, social science lenses, are able to address and adapt to also that the challenge is launched Certainly by that. by the wholesale absolute argument about yeah well why is it that engineers can't describe why nazism is bad right like it seems a bit more malleable adaptable what we teach because there's not absolutes right and i think that that goes back to your point about the world is not <laughs> structured in an absolute manner right right so to how we teach. Anywho, well, you know, it sounds like we've got some failing betters. You know, I would, I would add to questions asked, you know, what specifically do I need to get tenure and to be promoted? Um, maybe not so directly, but, you know, like what are some of the requirements or how have cases in the past been treated? Um, I've been having this conversation a lot with like colleague, junior colleagues about, you know, is it a book? Is it a book and some articles? Right. Like, um, what I think is interesting is like, and I mean, like we can, we should move on because we have other things to talk about, yeah, 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 yeah. but like what I think is interesting is now that I'm here and about to have this conversation, I don't think the provost is the person I would talk that through with a, I don't think the provost is the person who will ultimately make that decision or have any real say in it. And B, I mm -hmm. don't think they'll give you a real straight answer. I think they'll give you the bullshit I, answer. I, well, and I think that that's strategic right? for a number of reasons. One of which being because I've had informal conversations is like, you know, whenever you say, an amount or you absolutely give like a, a thing and you don't meet that threshold or you do right like there's especially in an interdisciplinary department like mine and as an interdisciplinary, interdisciplinary scholar right i have colleagues who are in anthropology who in anthropology departments the expectations you know will vary differently and vastly than people who are coming from like a lit background, right? Like Jose, for example, in our department, who is trained in English and is trained in literature, right? Has those requirements in an English department would be different than, you know, an answer department. And what does it mean when you have faculty in a department who are all coming from all over the place, right? And so if you define, you know, what is required, then it can make, it can be more difficult either if you don't meet that or if you know there's just like less room to wiggle i think yeah so I certainly and, and yeah i get that yeah i get that too it, but it's still frustrating because you know ultimately we won't know till the end also it, i think before the com before we started recording i asked about yeah if the provost was a person for tnp tenure promotion right because the conversation i'm going to be having in the next few weeks will be with our dean who has uh, a bit more control over that so over that process. Anyway, 
Shall we move on? Uh, Just like, of course, we get should. into our next. We should, because next we have a brand new segment. You know, I love a new thing. New things excite me. Uh, this is a new thing inspired by an old thing. It's an Animaniacs joke, but it is an Animaniacs joke that has always hit home. It's one of my favorite segments from Animaniacs. You'll recall Good Idea, Bad Idea, where the dummy does something in a normal way and then does something in a profoundly destructive way. Uh, and it is really just an occasion to think through that, like, you know, here's a thing that is neither bad nor good, but sits somewhere in the middle, right? There is a version of this that is a good idea. There is a version of this that is a bad idea. I guess we'll just see which one wins out. Uh, and so today, in Good Idea, Bad Idea, I, I have some thoughts. I have so many thoughts. Um... I have, mm-hmm. I have, I have a thinking about uh, <laughs> this really peculiar piece of a thing that I've encountered, um, which is this story about like. So you 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 work in higher ed, and you know how everybody knows everybody, and it seems weird that everybody mm-hmm. knows everybody, um, except that mm-hmm. then you realize that everybody knows everybody because they did literally all go to the same schools. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it turns out that you're not crazy. None of us are. In fact, there are <laughs> like five schools that are training one out of every eight tenure track faculty at doctoral universities, according to Forbes. Uh, and I just... I, and I heard this and I shuddered and then I saw the list and I don't know, it hit me with some good idea, bad idea, uh, because mm-hmm. there's some schools here I don't hate, uh, and, 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 and we'll just name them and then you can read the article. And so I guess maybe good idea, hiring people from University of Michigan, cause let's be real, they're doing great work over there. And I know we're supposed to be rivals mm-hmm. or whatever, but like brilliant people doing brilliant work. They are one of the phenomenal institution representations of what a land grant institution can be and can do if you fully invest in it and its potential. Uh, University mm-hmm. of Wisconsin, Madison, similar story, right? Like a school that is doing the work of being a land grant institution that is also like producing incredible, interesting, dynamic work. Good idea. Hiring people from University of Wisconsin, also from University of Michigan. Bad idea. Hiring people from the same five schools. This seems not... Yeah. (sighs) And also, the yeah, the amount of... Yeah, I mean, just the the cluster of people who are coming from very specific institutions. And, you know, you've highlighted two public institutions, one of which is considered a public ivy, and that's University of Michigan... But then the other institutions are the private. Now, we didn't talk about them, the, and we're going to continue to not talk about them because we're not, not about throwing shade. You know, because you know how it works. And it was, you know, so much slavery money. to learn. So much slavery money. I guess it's all it slavery was, money. Yeah, I mean, girl. It's money. It's land grab institution. Money. It's land grab institution, not land grant, to be sure. Um and yeah so i you know am unsurprised um you know interestingly i think in at least one of the lists of also i think berkeley's public isn't berkeley still technically public berkeley's public there you go yeah no berkeley is public. oh i mean what is public there it is and that's the real question um so bad idea thinking public is (laughs) for the good of the common that's fair. That but good idea. Public money funding a school like Berkeley. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. in some version of itself. Look, there's never right. anything right. but good to me. <laughs> and that's all that matters. <laughs> um, yeah, so U of I was on this list, and I wasn't mad at it. Um, but also I'm here, so... A little biased, right? A little bit, maybe. I kinda. just, it just. Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 the the institutions are calling, or rather, not the institutions. I'm sorry. This has been referred to by several authors as like the prestige hierarchy, right? I think is what you're describing. Um, it's a bad idea to reinforce this prestige hierarchy. Um, maybe part right, of what, what i'm what ch- yes absolutely that's what i'm saying and i think maybe part of what i'm challenging here is like and i don't how do you how do you 
conduct this in a way that doesn't feel like embittered shit throwing from outside the ivy tower or whatever. I really want to rebrand away from prestige because I don't think that that's like, I want to stress that like the consequence of this approach is that you end up with really boring metastasized thinking, right? Like if everybody's coming out of the same school, like I remember there was a point in grad school where I was just like, if I have to listen to one more white dude talk about Derrida, I'm going to shoot myself in the fucking face. Like there comes a point where it's like everybody's having the same conversation because you were all trained by the same six people and there's only three things you're allowed to know that like they're mm. the benefit of a broad university system is the benefit of lots of different kinds of opinions that like it's supposed to be a big conversation of people who all share the stakes share the rigor of intellectual production but don't necessarily come at every question with the exact same set of like approaches and like investments and it feels like when mm -hmm. we close ranks around institutions that have a particular intellectual genealogy like what we also close off is all the other ways that thought can happen and we call it prestigious but it's actually just reproduce it's i mean it's like a monarchy it's like yeah it looks prestigious but it's actually just inbred it's the same people having the same conversations with each other over and over and over again reproducing the same bullshit as though that's all there is in the world mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, nail on the head, I can't say it any more succinctly. And also, um, you know, I think part of what at least I have not control over per se, but, you know, how do I say this? Like, I've been on hiring committees, right? And I am now on hiring committees. And without getting into details, because, you know, I can't, you, you know, there is, I would say I, I'm surrounded by people who are not invested in reproducing this prestige hierarchy. Um, and I think that that has to come from within, right? A bit like, uh, you know, and I've also not been on hiring committees, but, you know, have been asked to give my opinion about like candidate profiles and, from different departments and I'm not going to name names, but it is so obvious that when you look at, you know, who they have invited or who their kind of lists are from, like where, what institutions they are coming from, it's like so obvious. It's like, like you are trying to pluck from, you know, this hierarchy, this prestige hierarchy. And it is so like tired. And I think, yeah, has the, has the blueprint to produce precisely this, um what did you call it the mundane or just like the the tired right like 80s culture wars slash post-structuralist debates and it's like oh girl there's so much more there's so much more in the world but yeah and I mean, so, there's so many, what's also shocking is like, there's so many more people. Like I also, I mean, I guess we're looking at this top down, right? As like a hiring question, but it's also just like from us, from the market standpoint, like imagine that you come from any of the other hundreds of graduate institutions in the country. You're essentially being told you're not being considered for most jobs. Like just like not being considered. Yeah, outright. And I mean, I guess, look, if you're at the point where you're applying for jobs, you probably already know some amount of this, but like, it just, it, yeah. it doesn't, no part of it feels especially good. Um, and so I just, I'm, I'm really struggling with like, yeah, the, that part of it. Like, I, I love the idea that we are finding like, and celebrating institutions that are doing great work. Um, I, mm -hmm. I would love for us to. Yeah, no one is questioning that. I, <laughs> I would love for us to do more of it, right? I mean, I think maybe that. More of it. Hmm. That seems like the move. From your lips. I got ahead of myself, because I do, in fact, have a disingenuous argument. But I think before we dive in there, we should maybe take a break. Take a quick break. Let's do that. Sounds good. back again thank you for being here oh feels good mm -hmm. it feels good it feels right um 
I mentioned before that we had a dis. I got ahead of myself because I love new things. Uh, but <laughs> but I love playing with the old things too. And we have another segment, a space we call disingenuous arguments. Take us away, please. Yeah. So you have likely heard or encountered those you know flimsy straw man arguments across especially the internet but you probably have also heard them in you know your local watering hole i.e bar or wherever right and it's just like so egregious and so ridiculous so you know disingenuous an argument or something to hear that you know you just think i don't have time for that james and i have made some time for that so you know we'll kick it off with you know we're actually going to be following up from a failing better recently um so it looks like biden and the department of education have recently shifted some language to keep people from the money that he promised and that is owed to us um And the short of it, and some of it, is certain loans, what are called the federal... Let me look this up so I can get this name correct. The... God, I just had them in my notes. Federal Family Education Loans, sorry. I was helping. Um, I was doing something else with my eyes. Wow, thank you. No, but thank you. Yes. So these... Perkins and Federal Family Education. Excellent. So these are issued and managed by private banks, but are guaranteed by the federal government. Um, the program ended in 2010. So for people who have, you know, were taking out loans up until that point, may have received these particular types of loans, um, languages change such that you are no longer eligible if you have received this loan, um, only if you like consolidated before September 29th, you know, I didn't hear about this. It seemed like it was very much under the radar. Um, they announced it after the the fact assigned. So NPR, our good friends over at NPR are estimating at least or roughly 800,000 borrowers borrowers are now going to be excluded from relief. And what the fuck? Um, yeah. Uh, I can't. So you're going to, you're going to tell us. So, so you told us during the campaign where we all begrudgingly and reluctantly had to vote for you. Noses fully held. That you were going to give us the money, Joe. Joe I Bo. believe the number he promised was $50,000 yes. of student loan relief yes. uh, that he could unilaterally do with the stroke of a pen, he said many a time. And I got my happy ass on this podcast weeks ago and was like, you know, 10000 is good, Twenty even better as a Pell Grant recipient. Perfect. Um, you know, I'm taking whatever I can get. And that's really sad, you know, to be in that circumstance. Um, and now it's just like, yeah, the, your, the, the pen that you're stroking, Jobo, is just really what? frustrating. I just, and I feel like in light of I... the, in light of all of the, the, um, lawsuits that are now being launched as particularly by yes. conservative groups, right? You've had people come out publicly and say that this relief would actually hurt them individually right which is so, like what the context what? matters right like as soon as this was announced conservative groups did like a big push to reach out to like basically young-minded conservatives to find someone who qualified for student loan relief and such and thus had standing and who would agree to sue and so like there are lots i think truly there is a debate and a legal argument to be had about this policy mm-hmm. but there's a debate and a legal argument to be had about every policy there is a bait a debate and a legal argument to be had about the policy that saw us keeping brown children in fucking cages away from their parents for years there was a debate and policy to be had or debate and conversation to be had around the policy that had us ban like muslims from entering the country right Mm -hmm. when we want to unilaterally use the power of the presidency in some questionable ways to benefit 
I don't know, the, like, the rich and the hateful. We seem to have no limit to our capacity to do that. But mm-hmm. this, this is impossible to imagine. Like, this is just a bridge to, like, what, you mean the president, like, fixed the intractable problem of student loan debt? You mean the thing you voted for me to do? You wanted me to do that. You <laughs> thought I was going to do No, nah, I just said I was going to do it. I didn't mean to do it. And I get... And I guess, like like I mentioned to you before we started, it's it's Lucy with the fucking football until we all agree to just stop letting these people play with us like this. And I'm back to where I started many, many moons ago, which was, so this man doesn't really think we're going to vote for him again, does he? Because, like, it's been two years, and I'm telling you we're not. And I don't get who thinks we are. And I am not gonna sit up here and disagree or even challenge or question because I I'm tired of defending the indefensible this is indefensible like in addition to doing fuck all about women losing their bodily autonomy in addition Mm, to doing fuck all about a supreme court that's basically said oh voting rights act that shit's over the gays girl we about to make that shit illegal again in addition to doing literally fuck all about everything else the one thing you said you were gonna do you're now not doing because somebody said they don't like it girl you can go be popular in your fucking house Uh, all of all of the things legitimately infuriating it's demoralizing disrespectful above all disrespectful very like you raggedy bitch we (laughs) all got up in the fucking bad weather and goddamn pandemic to go outside and vote for your sorry ass Mm -hmm. and this is what we get Mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. i'm tired of being told that we have to live every day, work every day, to pay a not insignificant portion of our income to, I don't know, the lesser of two evils. It's the best you're going to get. Like, at what point do we as a society say, okay, but nah, for real, this isn't good, and I don't like it, and nobody seems to like it, and literally no one's happy. Who is or benefits? Yeah, I was like, d- no, who... What is gained, but also who is gaining? Who's having fun right now? Right. right. Elon Musk... That's it. <sighs> I can't so, stand her either. you know, I, because it never needs to be said again, but I just don't get tired of saying it. Man, fuck this, dude. I'm so tired of this. I. Where's Obama? I miss <laughs> Obama. I want Obama back. And like, if you'd known me in 2010, we all I find this shocking. But like, I'll take it. This was that. Who knew that was the mountaintop? I'll take it. Just give me a good neoliberal that only wants to bomb certain bad brown people, and understands the value um, in policing the police. Uh, wow, just the landscape. This country is a nightmare. That's why Ryan living Murphy has nightmare. a career. That is funny. That's <laughs> that is the actual. I'm gonna think about that for the rest of this day. I'm um, just thank saying. you for that. Oh my god! Uh, unrelated, and because we're gonna move on to yes. some fun questions when yes, we yes, end yes. on. Uh, but before we get there, because it's not what I'm thinking about, but have you been following the Bros Discourse? I've actively not been following the bros discourse oh, you gotta tap in because at this point it's gotten fun it's basically just the stars of the film being angry at people for not going to see it it's so much fun it's I, so much fun i don't even think i'm gonna watch it when it becomes available no, on some streaming never. it's like no now you've made it bad now it's no it was always a netflix movie but now it's less than that yeah yeah mm, no i've not i you know, if you see some funny banter and discourse, please send it my way. But no, I've Will I've do. actually muted it's it. It's mostly just been Billy Eichner screaming at the straights for not going <laughs> to see his movie, as as though the gays did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, oh, girl. I guess I did. None see, of us saw your movie. Yeah, I guess I did see one meme about apparently him standing outside of like the theater, and they used like, do you remember? Um, the movie Ma with, uh, 
What is Spencer? Spencer. Yeah, Octavia Spencer. I just want to say Butler. And you know, it's the same. Yeah, Octavia Butler. R.I.P. So apparently this 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 meme is of the you know the kids walking around the corner and then mom being like hey and it and like the caption <laughs> is billy eichner outside of movie theaters in new york trying to get people to go in um <laughs> that's that's the extent of what i've seen it has been an actual i mean look at some level it's hard because it's like the gays they lo- we love to tear each other down and that's that's brutal but also <laughs> You didn't think this was going to be it, did you? Mm. You made this white gay movie in 2022 and you thought we were not going to say anything about how we don't want it. <laughs> we don't want it. We don't. Keep it. Didn't ask for Mm-mm. it. Mm-mm. Friend. Yes. It's been too long since I've had the occasion to check in and ask, mm-hmm. you know, one of my favorite questions. What you reading? Love that question. And thank you for asking. Um... I recently received my copy of Richard T. Rodriguez's A A Kiss Across the Ocean, Transatlantic Intimacies of British Post-Punk and U.S. Latinidad. Um, Professor Rodriguez, Ricky, is just a wonderful human being. Um, And I admire him and his scholarship so much. I... I have it. I've not yet cracked it open. I will be doing a little bit traveling over the next few weeks, and I'm planning, you know, to dive in there, um, or like on on these trips. Like I said, I just got my copy. Uh, Professor Rodriguez is just like such a generous and wonderful scholar, and you know, I've read reviews of the book, and I've you know, kind of perused some of the chapters, and I'm just like so excited as someone who is not like into post-punk or like that scene or you know like my stakes aren't there um i can appreciate the 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 intellectual rigor and the care that i know that he is bringing to the conversation um so i'm excited about that and you know fun fact professor rodriguez actually got you know he received tenure and promotion here in this department that i'm currently in and so that's kind of a, a fun little factoid that, you know, is, you know, fun for me, I guess. Probably not for many other people, but it's fun for me. I love this to know. factoid. But anywho, friend, what are you reading? Oh, you know, 10,000 things at once. But so I'm dipping back to a classic uh, and I'm reading Bell Hooks because uh, mm. it's time and it feels like it's, it's a good time to be thinking about teaching to transgress. Education is the practice of freedom. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about it as I work through and workshop a couple different, you know, I'm forever begging for money. Uh, and so writing grants and grant proposals and trying to imagine what it is that I do here and what it is that we do here and what it is that is the purpose of sort of making the space to do the thing that is teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been thinking a lot about it and I've been thinking, about, been thinking a lot about the power of teaching and sort of what it means to th- focus on that and to sort of celebrate but also really revere and respect that um so yeah that bell hooks always love that yeah a a total classic and timeless and i feel like you can you know open on any given page and just the wisdom pours out uh look wrote written from the trenches and it shows and it is most of the work right um yeah, just phenomenal. So that's awesome. I mean, that that's reminding me. I need to to go back to to some hook to some to some bell hooks. So thank you for that, and I'm glad you're reading it. Yeah, I want to actually ask the final question, and that is, friend, what you thinking? I'm so glad you asked. This will mean nothing to you, but Steam Deck. I bought a Steam Deck. I bought a Steam Deck. It's the greatest thing that's happened in the year of our Lord 2022. It makes me so happy. Uh, I haven't bought a video game console since the Nintendo Switch, I think, was the last time I bought a video game console. I gave myself permission when I got a job 
I think actually when I got here, I, I got a tenure track job. I was like, I, I have a job now. I have the time to maybe play a video game occasionally. Uh, and so five years ago, I bought a Nintendo Switch, and I have not bought a video game console since. I buy games all the time, but not a new console. Uh, and so there is a thing. It's out now. It's called the Steam Deck. If you haven't heard about it, you will, because it's going to be the toy of the year. It's a bit of a game changer. Uh, it's PC gaming on the go. It's all the things you ever wanted. It can emulate your old games. I've been playing all the play... I was an Xbox kid, so I didn't have Playstations because I had Xboxes instead. So I missed out on the arcade of, like, games you can only play on Playstation. So I've been, like, going back and playing Sly Cooper. It's scratching a deeply specific itch inside my brain. Uh, and then it happens to also be the Steam Next Fest, which is, like, a giant arcade of demos for new games that are coming to the library of things you can play on your handheld console that looks like a Nintendo Switch on steroids. I I mean, again, if you haven't heard about this thing, I don't need to be the one explaining this to you. The internet will get to you in time. And if you don't know, that's okay. Because at this point, I think you still have to pre-order it to buy one. Uh, so you gotta be in the club. But, like, I'm in the club, and I gotta tell you, the game done changed. It's amazing. You are such a nerd. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It is amazing. It's an amazing piece of technology. It can do things that it shouldn't be able to do. It That's not fair. It's a computer in a box. But, like, it's... It's the seamlessness of it all. It all fits together and works so incredibly well. Girl, you, it's smart you, you in do a not way have that to convince me of anything. Uh, I will not. I'm in love with this toy. I will not be getting your little steamer or whatever it is that you you're getting. You think that, but in five years, when everyone has to have a Steam Deck, I just want you to know what is the point of me constantly saying I was here first? Why am I this person? <laughs> Better than anyone I know, um, <laughs> friend. What you thinking? I am thinking about camping and being out in nature. God, how do you get gayer every time I talk to you? <laughs> I think it's in the water, actually. Um, there's something in the water, I'm sure. I love this for you. Yeah. So what? Okay. So what do you need now? What are you? What's the next step of camping? Oh, it's all about just refining. And like being Are more efficient. Are you packing food? Oh, we pack. I pack food. We have. It's 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 a lot of fun. I mean, getting to the point where like completely non-electric for everything is like really amazing. Um, okay, this is okay. Yeah, and that's All where right. that's where I am. So it's like full on. You know. Well, now I know what batteries. to give you for Christmas because I recently learned about hand crank coffee grinders. I have one, oh, and I well, love never it. Mind. I'm getting you another one. I have actually. You know what? I forgot that I and I, I could totally. Wow. Use that. How am I the one reminding you of this? <laughs> well, because I've just been doing instant because it's easier. Um, That's I just do love instant yourself. coffee. I do. You instant, own the hand crank. You know they, coffee is not all that bad now um <laughs> instant anyway that's fair instant has come a long way yeah and it's just like extra stuff like it's uh, for me at this point it's about being more efficient with my space and like the setup and while that would be nice it's just like another thing but i mean i thank you for the reminder actually because i've got the filters and everything anyway um Oh, yeah. I love this for you. I want to yeah. go camping with you, but obviously not anytime soon. Maybe the spring. <laughs> yeah, or the summer or sometime. Um, Ooh, summer camping sounds way better. It's Let's so much fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Anywho, well, James, this, as always, was a pleasure. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for everything, for being you. You got this, and I can't wait to check in again with you soon. Oh, always a pleasure. I love you so much. We will talk soon. Mwah, All right. Bye. Bye.